Good morning, everyone. It's Herb Morgan, Chief Investment Officer, Senior Managing Director here at Efficient Market Advisors. This is uh, our economic and market commentary for the week of Monday, May 3rd, 2021. Uh, this is also available to you as a podcast on all of the different podcast uh, uh products, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Player, you name it. The name is Slaying Bulls and Bears, Making the Complex and Complicated Simple and Sensical, a weekly podcast with me. Presentation you're seeing and or hearing is prepared by us, Efficient Market Advisors, for use with both investors and financial advisors. Each are expected to make their own investment decisions. Nothing contained in this presentation should be treated as investment advice. There are no recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities. Everything is purely for informational purposes. Of course, uh, if you're watching this through an email link or on our website, you're getting the slides as well. If you're listening on a podcast, you'd like to get the slides, just go to our website, efficient-portfolios.com, and you can download the slides there. We had a mostly negative week in equity markets, the exception being the S&P 500, the highest quality there, uh, eked out a marginal gain. Well, mid and small cap stocks were both negative, developed international emerging markets, all negative. That combined got the ACWI, All Country World Index, down about a quarter percent on the week. Of course, everything is still positive, and in many cases, double digits positive for the year. Uh, the yield in the 10-year, 20- and 30-year U.S. Treasury bonds ticked slightly higher last week. That sent the 20-plus Treasury index down 1% and the aggregate bond index down about 18 basis points. But high yield kind of bucked the trend. Normally, it, it correlates with equity, and with equity being down, particularly small and mid-caps name, you would have thought high yield would be down. But it just shows, goes to show you the strength in the economy is good. High uh, yield spreads are narrow, priced a little bit for perfection, uh, but it was nice to see that strength uh, last week. Let's get into the economic data that we got last week. We'll start with March durable goods. Orders were expected to rise a half a percent. They did just that after a decline of nine tenths back in February. Backing out transportation, the gain was big, 1.6%. When you look through the data, what we see is um, a lot of delays and, and uh, slow orders in airplanes. Airplanes seems to be the thing that was dragging it down, but those are very lumpy. They can come all at once and cause big spikes or big drops when they don't come in the durable goods order. So we won't put too much worry on that at this point. Plenty of real estate data, price data on residential real estate, which matters to all of us. Again, if, we, if, we, if you own a home, it matters because it firms up your personal balance sheet. If you don't own a home but you're thinking about one and want to get one, it matters because of pricing. In February, the FHFA, that's the Federal Housing Finance Agency Index, uh, gained about nine-tenths of a percent right in line with expectations, still up big year-over-year, uh, -year, up 12%, 12.2% on a year-over-year -year basis. That's the likely value uh, increase uh, for your home over the last 12 months in, the, in on average. Case-Shiller, similar data for February, that rose 1.17 uh, and is also up almost 12% year-over-year, 11.94 on that indicator. So bottom line, residential real estate's on a year-over-year year -year basis, up about 12%. But remember, a year ago, February and March, we had the coronavirus shutdown 
so we're going to see lots of year-over-year comparisons now that are very big. Uh, that includes a lot of inflation numbers, earnings numbers, house price numbers. And because of that, we don't expect those kind of percentage increases to uh, persist for a long time, which is what the Fed and others are calling transitory. Speaking of homes, uh, pending homes for the month of March rose about almost 2%. That was below, well below the estimate, uh, less than half of the estimate. Uh, still, they're up big on a year-over-year basis, up about 25% uh, year-over-year. And it's not for a lack of demand. It's the rising uh, prices is, is really holding back some buyers. Uh, home sale, home prices, which we just showed you, those 12% year-over-year gains are making it more difficult for some folks to afford to get into that first home. Uh, let's talk about the conference board and consumer confidence a surge, really a massive jump. You can see it over here on the right-hand side of the screen, went from 109 to almost 122. The estimate was 113. That's a very, very big beat. It exceeded the highest estimate of the economists that contribute to the survey via the Bloomberg terminal. Uh, why did consumer confidence go up so much? People got stimulus checks, they got vaccines, and things are reopening across the country. Uh, across the country, things are reopening. So it's a trifecta of good news for consumer confidence. That's from the conference board. We also got word last week from the University of Michigan. There it rose from 84.9 to 88.3. So a similar pattern to the conference board. Not as much of a spike uh, there recently, but still very, very good. Expectations on the rise current conditions on the rise as well. Uh, the big laggard, of course, continues to be the labor market uh, that's starting to reverse with reopening, but that is the laggard. The initial weekly claims for unemployment fell again, but so modestly, 553,000, estimate was 540. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but this is why the Fed, the Fed is continuing to keep low for long continues to tell us they're not thinking about thinking about either tapering or raising rates is because they see this 8 million uh, slack in the labor market. There's 8 million fewer people employed today than there was before the COVID pandemic. Uh, and weekly claims actually up ever so slightly, uh, ever so slightly. So there's no downtrend for the week there. So no, that's why the Fed didn't act last week when they met. And we'll talk about that a little bit more here. In a second. We also heard uh, last week um, about GDP for the first quarter from the Bureau of Economic Analysis. First quarter GDP was expected to go up 6.7. It just about got there at 6.4. That's a pretty good uh, growth rate for that first quarter. We expect second quarter to be even higher. Uh, and then full year uh, GDP growth could, is going to be, I think, in the high single digits. Personal consumption beat expectations slightly, up 10.7. Non-residential investment up big, almost 10. Residential investment even bigger, up almost 11. And a massive increase in government spending. So this is all the king's horses and all the king's men. This is the Keynesian model, right? So massive fiscal stimulus, massive monetary stimulus, it always creates worries on the back end. There was never in doubt whether or not it would have the effect it's having, and you can see it there on the GDP, those three big quarters after those two negative quarters. But the question is, what are the long-term implications? 
uh, one being inflation from the monetary and fiscal side, and two, uh, debt and deficits at the sovereign level of the United States and other nations uh, going forward. So uh, things to be uh, uh, grateful for and thankful for in the economic situation, but also things to be very concerned about and to be watchful of uh, as time as time progresses and uh, moves on. And I mentioned inflation a couple times. It's going to be probably the thing we start talking about more and more uh, every week uh, for the rest of this year and beyond because this is uncharted territory for the Federal Reserve. We're seeing it everywhere, whether it's in lumber or food uh, or shipping or transportation or whatever, but inflation is definitely coming through. Uh, it was talked about extensively in the earnings reports over the last couple of weeks. This graph shows the employment cost index. It rose nine-tenths of a percent in the first quarter. The year over year, the red on the right-hand scale is getting closer to 2.6, 2.7%. And this, uh, I think, is going to start to be a real concern. And I think the Fed is being very confident and signaling that they're not worried, that it is transitory, that they won't have a problem. But throughout history, uh, inflation is a hard thing to reverse and stop because expectations go up. And so the Fed is, is believing rather than preemptively raise rates, they're going to do it after it runs hot for a little while. That's not been done before. And we, of course, wish everybody the best of luck. Uh, let's talk about personal income and spending. Yes, that is not a typo. That blue bar on income on the right, those are your stimulus checks that cause a spike, a huge spike, the red in spending. In March, spending surged. 21%. Uh, that was a 96% increase in government benefits, which is a doubling, which drove that spending, personal spending, um, rebounded 4.2%, uh, big gains in durables, even non-durables, everything grew. Uh, that's what happens when you send out checks. The problem is, of course, or the downside is, uh, that was a deficit in debt financed at the federal government level. Uh, so, let's keep on this inflation theme. Green, green dash line going across here represents the Fed's target for core PCE inflation. Core PCE inflation, the blue, or excuse me, the red, is under the target. But the headline inflation, which, which, which includes food and energy, which as you can see make this very volatile, higher highs and lower lows, that number is in excess of 2% now, 2.3%. The core is at 1.8. In the past, the Fed would either taper or raise rates well before it got to 2%, knowing that there's a delay from their actions to the reality. They were trying to bump off the 2% level. You can see bumping off the 2 here, bumping off the 2 here, bumping off the 2 here. But what this board is saying, and they, they can't be more clear. <laughs> they can't be more clear. They're not trying to bump off the two. They want to exceed that two, and they want to do so for a period of time until such time as that 8 million jobs deficit is erased, wiped out, or gone. Okay, Chicago PMI, huge number, not a typo. <laughs> that is 72.1. Estimate was for a ridiculously high 65 and we came in even above that at uh, 72. So that certainly bodes well for the ISM 
manufacturing for the whole month. New orders surged 72.2, production surged almost 73, employment grow, grew 56.4. So one of the things that happens each time the Fed, meet, minutes, Fed meets is they um, give a brief statement uh, that day of the meeting at the end of the two-day meeting, and then later they release the minutes. But the statement is always looked at very carefully by people like me, uh, and what we see here is a comparison of the March meeting, March 17th, to the April 28th meeting, which of course was last week. Mostly the statement, and this is only a portion of it, all the rest of it is unchanged, so I just highlighted the things that were changed. In March, following a moderation in the pace of the recovery, they were worried about it. Now we're talking more about progress on vaccinations and strong policy support. That's a little more upbeat. They said that it, it had turned up, uh, and this time we say strengthened. Uh, talking about inflation running below 2% in March, now they say inflation has risen, but it's reflecting transitory factors only. So it's a modest upgrade to the economic activity level, their forecast, but by no means is the Fed ready to be curtailing asset purchases or raising rates. But that, now the question becomes how much of this is really just built in to the markets? Well, earnings season has been exceeding all expectations. I mean, at the beginning, we were talking about earnings growth of about 23 or 24%. We're coming in almost double that at about 46, 46.5%. In fact, um, it's 51%, sorry, 51% through Friday earnings growth. So this is more than double uh, the expectations. Uh, we're seeing you know, across the board huge gains. Uh, financials obviously led the way. What we're not seeing this time is we're not seeing the price reaction of the stocks. Think about all the companies that reported last week, all the companies that blew out the numbers, and the stock market ended up being modestly lower. So what this tells me is that now the market is looking a little bit beyond the fantastic earnings and starting to think a little bit more about the implications of the inflationary pressures. Now the companies have mentioned inflation in their reports a lot, they have not stated that these pricing pressures on their supply chain, their inputs, or labor are a problem or starting to impact or be problematic for their profitability, but they are starting to mention margin pressures. And that's where the inflation stuff can end up being harmful to investors. So we're really closely watching this week on a week-by-week -week basis, but this part, this little piece here that we didn't get bigger price reaction the last two weeks has me... Uh, curious. I, would, I don't even want to say concerned yet, but starting to be a little bit more curious. The other thing we're seeing is that long-term inflation expectations are continuing to rise. Um, the one year, which is the gray line, this is what the market is predicting, by the way, they're pricing tips uh, and treasury securities. They expect 2.7% inflation over the next year, well above the Fed's target, obviously. But 2.6 for five years and 2.4 for 10. Notice the 10-year moves with less elasticity and slower than the five, which, of course, moves slower than the one. The one can be all over the board. So if this is really going to be transitory, uh, Mr. and Mrs. and Miss 
Fed governors, voting governors, uh, we better start really paying closer attention to the five and 10 year number because they are tracking higher with that one year number as well. Back to earnings for a second. Um, it, 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 one year forward earnings per share estimates hit, hit an all time high last week because all these companies blew the numbers out and so the analysts upgrade, which is why I've been telling you that maybe the PEs aren't as high as we think they are in some cases. Uh, we're up to almost $181 a share. Lots of economic data this week as we move into May. Um, PMIs from Marquette and ISM, uh, auto sales, trade deficits, but really the big ones are jobs reports because this, you know, if we blow through the numbers on jobs, that 8 million deficit gets eaten away sooner, then the Fed can turn their attention or might turn their attention to inflation. Uh, the big Bureau of Labor Statistics report for Friday is expected to show an ad of about 950. Uh, I would bet we're well over a million. So, you know, Chairman Powell said, I want to see a string of months like March where we had a big gain. Uh, I think April is going to be a million one, a million two. Um, that's still not enough. So they're not going to cut back on asset purchases, not likely to raise rates. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget we're available as a podcast as well. Please subscribe and like and thumbs up and tell your friends and retweet and all those different things. Uh, thank you. Also, if you want to follow me during the week, uh, if you want more, uh, follow Twitter at ETF underscore strategist or LinkedIn at LinkedIn, just uh, Herb Morgan. Thanks, everybody.